Welcome to Hillel Day School's podcast, Better Together. I'm your host, Melissa Michelson, principal here at Hillel. Each episode will inform and excite our listeners by diving into the daily life at our school. As always, thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe. We are so excited to be here for our second episode of Hello Day School's podcast, Better Together. I'm your host, Melissa Michelson, and today I'm honored to have Kim Love as my co-host. Welcome, Kim. Hi, Melissa. I'm so excited to be here to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics, responsive classroom. Welcome, Kim. So this year you have a new role at Hillel. Can you tell us a little about it? Sure. This year, I am the school's director of student services, so I oversee all of the supports that happen in our building on a day-to-day basis, whether it be students that require a little bit extra learning support to students who require enrichment or English as a second language support, and of course, social, emotional, and behavioral supports as well. Today joining us as our guests are Andrea Jenkins and Barbara Applebaum. Welcome. Hi there, Melissa. I'm Andrea Jenkins, and I'm the director of first through fourth grade communities. Thanks, Melissa. This is Barbara Applebaum, and I'm the director of fifth through eighth grade communities. We're thrilled to have you here. Thank you. And we are so excited to talk about Responsive Classroom. I'm excited to talk about it too. It's something that I have explored for quite a while and it's one of my most favorite things to talk about. So Andrea and Barbara, can you just tell us a little bit about what Responsive Classroom is? If a parent were to stop you in the hall and say, what is this Responsive Classroom? It's this thing that I hear teachers talking about. Explain to us what you would tell them. So one thing that I think is really important about responsive classroom is that it's not a curriculum it's an approach and I think when you first learn about it you really have to train yourself to not call it a curriculum because it's not something that is just a book and it's handed over to the teachers to sort of follow page by page it's it's an approach and it's an approach to social emotional learning both for students and teachers and the community as a whole so it's a lot of different aspects that have to do with how we teach, so teacher language and interactive modeling. It's about our routines and our protocols in school, so really the power of circles, morning meetings, advisories, and all of that really goes into providing a safe and joyful environment for our students across the building. Yes, and to echo that, there are four main principles in Responsive Classroom, and they are engaging academics, positive community, effective management, and developmentally responsive teaching. And what that all boils down to for us is that it's a way to build community within our classrooms and across the entire school, and how to give students agency with their own learning. So how to pull them into learning with choice and with engaging activities so that there are fewer incidences for them to be out of line with either misbehavior or redirection or or less need for the classroom management piece because it's all part of what's expected within our community. So if I were to walk into, let's say, let's do a second grade classroom and then Barbara, you can talk about a middle school classroom. What would I see 
that would connect to the responsive classroom philosophies? Well, the first thing you would see is teachers greeting the students in the morning. I think that's the powerful part of responsive classroom is even us standing at the door in the morning and greeting each student as they walk in. It's intentional and it's a piece. It's not just something that we do. It's so that students get the message that I see you and I recognize you and I value you as a member of the community. So teachers are greeting students and then the day starts with everyone in a circle and morning meeting. And morning meeting has different structures to it where there's a greeting and again every child's name is said and every child participates and there's eye contact and they learn how to be part of a community and I think the power of the circle is really important because it shows that we are all equal members of this classroom community and teachers are part of that circle as well and so while it may seem like it's something just so simple there's actually a lot of value in building that community and then as students are going through academic times throughout their day there's choice oftentimes in the different academic portions and and different areas of curriculum there's often choice for students to again do something that speaks to who they are and values them as a person but also gets to the the needed academic skills that are that are being studied at the time so those are a couple pieces that you would notice right away in classrooms. Yeah, and similar to what Andrea was saying in the the one four classrooms, in the five eight classrooms you'll see teachers greeting their students at the door. A little bit different, our morning meetings in fifth grade still look very similar. They're circled up, they're doing a greeting, a share, and an activity. Once students move into sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, they're doing more of advisory meetings where they're not necessarily in a circle every morning, but they're connecting with the teacher and they're connecting with each other in some way. It may be around a current event, it may be around an academic project that they're working on. But developmentally for them, it's a little bit different than the greeting, share, and activity. The teachers are making them aware of upcoming events in their communities. They're giving them a little bit more responsibility and they're having a little bit more independence. But they're still building that community and feeling seen and heard and valued right in the beginning of their day. Another piece of responsive classroom that I have loved seeing in many of our middle school classrooms is you'll hear teachers give directions and then they'll say, have my directions caused any questions, which was something they specifically learned in our training in August. And it doesn't put the onus on the kid. It doesn't say, who has a question after everything that I just explained? It puts the onus on the teacher that they're willing to say they might have said something that was unclear and they're encouraging that risk-taking in their classroom, which has been a great shift to see. And then one other piece is that it's impossible to walk through any of our classes, but especially in middle school, and not see those choices being given to our students. So in projects during flex time that they're choosing, whether they're using the makerspace or doing something music related, they've really embraced that aspect of that voice and choice. And then lastly, something that we work on with our middle schoolers is logical consequences. And so if a student does misbehave or do something that doesn't follow the norms and expectations that we have, they're not just automatically given a punitive punishment. They're 
coached really in how can they repair what they broke or how can they give back to our community in some way whatever they took away from it and that is a very big component of responsive classroom that philosophically is really important to us here at Hillel because we're not looking to punish students we're looking to help them grow and learn from the mistakes that we encourage them to make because now's the time to take those risks and make those mistakes and learn from them so it sounds like the structures of responsive classroom are really teaching our students cooperation and responsibility and how to have a positive academic mindset and all of the things that go along with our values here at Hillel Day School. Kim, it sounds like you're very familiar with responsive classroom. <laughs> yes, exactly. One of the, the pieces of responsive classroom that I find to be really beneficial and I'd love for you two to talk through a bit is interactive modeling. Mm -hmm. So can you explain to our audience what interactive modeling involves and why it's so beneficial, not only in the first weeks of school, but even come March as we are now? Sure. I actually have a very tangible moment that I can talk about. So and. The one two community, we just received these imagination playground blocks, which are these gigantic foam blocks. They look like gigantic tinker toys. And these teachers know that through these responsive classroom models, that interactive modeling for students is a critical part of setting them up for success in the beginning. So with these blocks, instead of just putting them out there and saying, okay, everyone play with them and be creative and, and have fun, which we want them to do, we know that we intentionally have to set out First, how are we going to do this safely? And what do we need in order for everyone to have fun with this and to have the students name those name what they see and, and what they're um, what's expected of them and then to have some guided practice with that so with anything whether it's rolling out um, something new during an unstructured time whether it's doing something academic and having the teacher say let's try this together or watch me as I that interactive modeling piece is critical so that whenever they do say like Barbara said have my directions come caused any questions, then the students have something to base that off of. They, they know what kinds of questions that they need answered. Yeah, and I think in the middle school, the interactive modeling is very common practice after the kids have already come up from one through four. It's something that they're becoming used to. What a lot of the 5-8 teachers realized is that when they were modeling things for students, they were narrating every step of it, and it was taking away from the students actually being able to watch and learn from their actions. And so I had a teacher come to me, I think it was like the third week of school, a seventh and eighth grade teacher say, you know, I, I worked really hard and I modeled one of the procedures in my classroom and I didn't say anything. And she said, it worked like a charm because the students were really able to focus on her actions. They weren't listening to her. She wasn't sort of overloading them with information by talking through each step in, in detail. She let them watch first and she said it was so successful. And so I think that piece, especially when your students are a little bit older and you're you're wanting to narrate for them and explain everything because they can understand it, really pulling back a little bit and modeling just the actions was really beneficial. And that was something that our trainer pointed out specifically in August. And so the fifth through eighth grade teachers were able to see 
that that was something that they could tweak and would have a huge impact on their students. One thing our trainer brought up was modeling what it is that we are supposed to do instead of modeling the incorrect behaviors. And for many of our teachers, that was a shift. They were used to modeling what was the unexpected behavior rather than modeling here's exactly what to see so that the focus is always on the expected outcomes, whether it's something behavior related or academic related. Here is what is expected what we expect to see. So it's always with the focus on the positive. So Andrea and Barbara, you both discussed numerous facets of this approach that seems to require lots of preparedness. Mm -hmm. And Barbara, I know you mentioned training for the teachers. Can you tell us a little bit about how the teachers were retrained in responsive classroom and why Hillel chose to use this approach out of all of the social emotional learning programs available today? Sure. So let me start with how Hillel chose Responsive Classroom. So we knew that we wanted some sort of approach or curriculum to social-emotional learning that was out there that was research-based and evidence-based and also that really focused on proactive building of community um, and positive behaviors as opposed to just reacting when students showed behaviors that were unexpected or didn't meet our expectations. So I had had a lot of experience with responsive classroom. I worked at a school for nine years where we were all trained and used it. And so I knew that that was an approach that worked, but I also wanted to make sure that we researched everything that was out there. So we looked at some of the other well-known programs and what really stuck out to us about Responsive Classroom is that they were working really hard to provide training and materials and also just gearing their approach toward the upper grades and not just the lower grades, which a lot of the other programs were really a good fit for the K-5 kids, but the 6-8 kids would have found it to be a little too babyish and it wasn't developmentally appropriate. And so we sent a small group of teachers to a four-day training in Chicago on responsive classroom as sort of our pilot. They came back and taught the entire faculty what they had learned there and they really took to it immediately, found it extremely beneficial and so we decided that that was the right approach for Hillel, and then we decided to train our whole faculty. Yeah, and it was an amazing training. And like Barbara, I had worked at a couple different schools that were responsive classroom-based as well, and I was able to see firsthand the power of what it could do for a community. And as a teacher, used responsive classroom in my own classroom and was able to implement the, the principles of it, which was fantastic to see how a community can completely change using this approach. And so when when I came on, it was wonderful to know I was coming in at the launch of Hillel adopting the responsive classroom model, which was fantastic. And then in August, we had two trainers come in and spend four days with our faculty, training them on all the different parts. And whenever I tell you training, it is not a sit and get where you look at slides and someone's just talking to you. It is interactive in every sense of the word. So 
we got to experience what the students would experience going through and living in a responsive classroom model so that we could have the empathy for them of how powerful that can be when we are sitting in a circle and we are engaging in a greeting and we are seeing interactive modeling and how powerful that can be. We then could, as teachers, know, oh, this is really, really powerful because I experienced it for myself and I got to see what that felt like. So it was wonderful to have such a deep dive into responsive classroom and not just have a one-day workshop or, a you know, somebody sitting up there telling us, here's what to do. And as Barbara said, it's not a curriculum. So it wasn't just something somebody could just hand us a book and say, okay, I expect you to implement this and have great success. We were really shown how to make it successful at our school. And the the other piece that was amazing is that every teacher was trained. So even new teachers who come on, we at least get them out to a one-day training. But to have the whole school trained at the same time on that same approach, I think allowed us to start the year on such a positive and impactful note because it wasn't English teachers being trained on this, math teachers being trained on this. It was everyone coming together to build this strong community. Andrea, to link on to what you were saying, we know with students, when they do something, Mm -hmm. they remember it. And I think that was one of the most impactful parts of this particular professional development was because the teachers were doing it. Not only did they remember it, but they also internalized it. And they, as you said, they could empathize more with, with the students, but they also felt empowered to bring this back to the classroom. Sometimes it's hard to learn new things and take the risk and try it out, but they felt so excited about it that it was a smooth transition for the beginning of the year. And it transcends subject area. So no matter what subject you teach, no matter what grade you teach really, the components of responsive classroom can apply in every classroom. So it was wonderful to see teachers who typically, because of their grade level or subject area, wouldn't necessarily come together, actually come together to engage in this and say, we're all learning this together for the benefit of our students. The other really important piece, and shout out to Kim, who helped us get this incredible grant so that this could all happen. Part of what we're able to do because of the size of the grant is that that training was not the end of our work with responsive classroom and and people who are trained in it. So we had a consultant come out to Hillel twice this year and analyze our school and how we're implementing the different facets of responsive classroom and where we might need to grow and and places that were being really successful and then sit down with us as leadership and go over each component individually and what she observed in a variety of classrooms and and at different times of the day and also in the lunchroom and the lobby and so again really important is that it wasn't just this one and done training it's a continuing education and experience for us and the faculty in our school which we know is far more successful than just having something happen once and then never thinking about it again. 
So I couldn't agree more that typically when we send teachers to training, it's a buzz maybe for mm-hmm. the first month of school. But thanks to the Jewish Fund who awarded us a three-year grant, this is something that we can continuously work on and improve upon mm-hmm. and learn within for the next three years until it is fully implemented in every area and every aspect of our school. And Responsive Classroom also has so many books and articles that we've pushed out to the teachers to read and discuss, and that's also the ongoing learning that's really important. When we have afternoon meetings or meetings throughout the day, and started some of my meetings with just 10 minutes of a Responsive Classroom tip in order to get us going and keep us refreshed and sharing different successes that are happening in different classrooms. So it's been a, I, as I like to think, it was is a full-on turn the faucets full-on and let the water gush in that the four-day training and now it's a continual slow drip of building up our responsive classroom bucket. How have you seen responsive classroom impact our students so far this year? So I was thinking about this before we started recording and I think that students are are so familiar with the language that they respond in a different way when they're asked to either model a behavior or circle up or even when they have to do a break it fix it that is clearly part of our common language now they're not questioning they're not confused they know exactly what a teacher means when they say circle up they know exactly what it means to watch a teacher model something share their observations, ask any questions, practice it themselves, and they know that when either a teacher or myself says, okay, how are we gonna fix what you broke in the community or how are you going to repair what happened, they are able to think about it and come up with a solution with me in a way that I don't think was the case before our teachers were trained in responsive classroom. I also think it really empowered our teachers in a way where I, as a supervisor, I'm getting less questions or less asks for assistance with behavior management. One, because there's community being built in a different way in the beginning of the year in the classrooms, and two, because the teachers understand that when their classroom community experiences something that isn't meeting expectations, they can pull that community together and rebuild it themselves. They don't need someone from the outside to do that. And I've seen real growth in that from a lot of our teachers, which is pretty amazing. That is something that is really key and powerful about Responsive Classroom is the built-in model for having a way to discuss challenges that are within a community. So for example, if a certain grade of students are having difficulty keeping their cubby area clean, right, and they're noticing at the end of the day there's stuff all over, teachers can actually say, hey, this is an issue that we have in our community and how are we going to fix that and allow the students to bring their ideas and their problem solving into the solution instead of just having the adults solve these problems and give them a direction to follow. And so Responsive Classroom really allows for those types of community building and ownership aspects authentically. 
And the other part is in the different classrooms, at least in first through fourth grade, there is a Manuka moment where students can, if they feel like they are just needing a break from whatever's happening around them, they can actually go sit in a spot where they can just take some deep breaths. They can recenter themselves. They can have a break from whatever is going on, and we call it the Manuka moment so that they can have their rest, and they can decide when to rejoin the group. And I think from a social-emotional learning standpoint, that is so powerful to teach that, one, everyone feels like that at some point, and Two, there's a way to actively solve that on your own, and it's a very normal thing to want, and in any environment, you can actually do that and take that little break. The, the skills that Responsive Classroom teach our students are so powerful, and I think it's really important for our audience members to understand or anybody learning about responsive classroom is although it's called a social emotional approach it links so much into the academic world of our students and not only the academics when we're talking about the content and the skills to do certain subject areas but also all of those skills that the students need to be successful citizens in the future and the things you've been talking about in the last several minutes about problem solving, about communicating with others, about self-confidence, about critical thinking. Those pieces of responsive classroom are so powerful and ultimately make our student body ready to be independent and be a confident member of our school community and in the future. You, You hit the nail right on the head there, Melissa, because responsive classroom teaches specific competencies and they're broken down into two areas. So some are social emotional competencies and you Mm -hmm. named some of them. Cooperation, assertiveness, responsibility, empathy, and self-control. And then it also focuses on four learning competencies or academic competencies. And those are academic mindset, perseverance, learning strategies, and academic behaviors. So as you said, Melissa, with these competencies, our kids are learning how to self-correct. They're learning how to set goals for themselves. They're learning how to come to class and what it looks like for them to be ready to learn. They're learning what it looks like to pay attention to instruction or how to participate appropriately. So it goes beyond those quote unquote feelings type Mm-hmm. you know, skills and, and transcends into the academics as yeah. well. And one of the the other reasons that this approach stood out to us among many that are out there is that those social and emotional pieces along with the academic really fit with our Jewish values. So you have Derek Heretz and Tikkun Olam, but you also have the learning piece of Judaism and of a Jewish day school that's so important and that we teach our kids every day, not only in their general studies, but in their Jewish studies and in tefillah. And so to have these skills being taught in a school that those values are what we live and breathe every day was such a seamless combination. It unites us as a Jewish people as well. It unites us as a Jewish people. It brings more consistency into our school on a daily basis, and it provides for a closer-knit community. And thinking about our theme of the year, joy, what brings you joy, Barbara and Andrea? Well, of course, time with my family and 
watching hockey and those kinds of things always bring me joy. Go so, Freds, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Go Freds, for sure. But, you know, this morning I had something. I was like, this is joy. This is joy right here. I got to see three students, some fourth graders, who on their own saw a need in the community and came to me with the need and said, hey, we noticed that there's some trash out on the playground. We want to organize a cleanup day for it. They put together a presentation and with confidence they presented that presentation to a group of adults and we're so excited in making their world a better place and to me that is joy embodied right there and so it was so delightful to see and really started my day beautifully so what brings me joy is being outside and so I'm very happy that the weather is warming up and I'm getting to go for runs and go for walks and My daughter, who is two, is now standing at our glass front door and banging on it and saying, outside, outside. (laughs) So I'm just happy that that has been passed down to her and that we have many months ahead of us to spend playing outside in the warmth. And hopefully the winter is almost behind us. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Andrea. It was a pleasure having you. We appreciate you telling us all about Responsive Classroom, and we look forward to seeing it continue at Hillel Day School. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Better Together. Intro composed and performed by Elia Fradkin. Outro music composed and performed by Shia Lekind. Recorded and produced using Soundtrap by Marnie Diem, Hillel's coordinator of technological adventures. Please subscribe on iTunes or Spotify so that you never miss an episode.